Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. I've been watching a lot of YouTube today. There's something about this weekend, specifically today. Let's just break overall. I don't know, I'm just, I'm out of it. I'm mentally just gone. Uh, partially is just because of Dungeons & Dragons over the weekend. Uh, I know we missed out last week. We kind of put a pause on it. But I got I got something this week that I think is a pretty good thing to talk about when it comes in terms of D&D and just RPGs in general. So I'm talking about like D&D, Pathfinder, you know, the, the typical tabletop games. But also any sort of video game that takes up an RPG element to it. And that is the flow of combat. Now, JRPGs usually have some form of grinding going on in it. Like, there's one or two games I played that I really enjoyed at first, but then the element of grinding just got so high. Like, the the one game, the name, it's like Trials in the Sky, Hero Sail. Like, it has a really weird name. Like, the order of it's really weird. I was enjoying the game greatly. I think I had some great stuff going for it. And then I reached one part. There was one boss I couldn't get through. And that's because I was too low level. I'm like, I don't feel like grinding through this area because I'm a high enough level that the enemies in the area are just easy peasy. I don't feel like grinding and trying to figure out the strategy then take this boss on. So I just kind of stopped playing it. Uh, I do want to revisit it and see what I can do about it. But anyway, the flow of combat. You don't want to let something, especially in something like Dungeons and Dragons, become just kind of that endless grind. And here's what I mean. Yeah, having cannon fodder, goblins, there's use for them. If you have a dungeon, though, that you walk into a room, here's a bunch of enemies, you fight them, move on. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, we had combat. The combat classes can have fun with that. In the long run, though, what was the purpose of the combat? I'm not saying that you have to have, like, a story element behind every combat. I just feel a combat that feels tacked on. It doesn't feel like there's much agency in what's going on. Like, there's not much impact in it kind of sucks. It's like, it's just another fight. Like, it's just another stop point. Like, okay, we got to stop what we're doing and handle the combat. Big whoop. And it once or twice, it can work. Especially low levels, it can work. Because when you're level 1, level 2, even level 3, you don't have much going on in Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder. There's not much going on. You're, you got very few abilities. Your stats, depending on how the GM has you roll it, you have low stats, you have like no magic items. Options are limited. So, yes... Okay, we have one or two grind fights. In the long run, though, get, it's it's good to get creative. Like, okay, dragons are cool. Don't get me wrong. Fighting something that's large and intimidating, something like a dragon, a Baelar demon, something like that is really awesome. And the fact that they have a lot of abilities, like the enemies themselves have a lot of abilities, you can have some fun with that. There's different things the enemy can come at with combat, and the players react in various ways, depending on how the party's made up. Cool, cool, cool. It's just one enemy, though. So you still end up having this idea of, okay, avoid the attack, and then just punch it. You know, turn it into a punching bag, just keep hitting it. Why not have some environmental factors to it? You know, something that allows players to think a little bit more. And also, if you decide to get creative and add in these elements, these unique elements of the environment players then start to think a little more creatively, creatively, uh, creatively, 
in what they want to do and how they want to handle what's thrown at them. Recently, my players are going into a fortress, taken over by a bunch of gnolls, and the approach was a pretty large clearing, and the gnolls had, of course, archers up on top of the battlements and these two ballistas they had access to. And like, well, okay, all right, well, let's just, let's start marching forward. All I did is, they went and recruited, we talked about this before, they went and recruited some NPCs, so the party size is now six, with three NPCs that I kind of just hold on to and control on the side, while the three main players kind of like guide everything. But the one character, because I wanted to fill in holes, is a paladin who's a very tanky paladin, so she's like, I'm just going to walk forward. I'm going to keep their attention, you know, with the ballistas and everything. I'll keep their attention because she has high AC, she has high health, she can handle that. But when it comes to melee, she's not very strong, so keep them off me. And the rogue was like, well, what if there's another way in? While you go distract them, I'm going to run around the side and see if there's another way in. So the bard, who's another NPC, you know, joined him. And he actually had a lot of fun. He got pretty creative because he got over there, and there was no other way into the fortress. But there was a way to scale the side of the tower to get up to where the blisses were, and he's like, okay, all right, cool, let's do this. Goes up there, starts handling everything up there, so then when the enemies are storming out of the doors to attack the approaching force, they're not getting hounded by the archers and everything up top. Right there, we have a combat that, when you crunch the numbers, is a little bit too difficult. It's like on the hard, deadly scale kind of thing. If you were to tally up everything they fought... It is a little tricky, yet it's broken up with the environment that allows it to be managed greater. Like, yes, one rogue and a bard going up against six gnolls could be a little deadly. And they definitely, they got some hits in. The gnolls got some hits in and did hurt the bard a little bit. But, you know, they're level eights versus just standard gnolls, so it wasn't too difficult. And since they didn't have to worry about anything else, it was just these gnolls walking up and trying to stab them. Okay, I can handle this. And if I get a sneak attack off, like the rogue could get a sneak attack off, could one-shot these guys. It allowed some creativity to it. And now inside, I'm, it's try, I'm trying something new. I talked, about to avo- I talked about avoiding the grind, not just having combat for the sake of combat. But what this is, is it's a fortress full of gnolls who are just feasting on the corpses of hundreds of orcs that used to live there. It's a gauntlet-style dungeon. What I decided to do is that the all the players, they keep their initiative that they started with, and as they go through, random encounters will happen. What I'm forcing them to do and what they are trying, like, they're actually kind of getting the feel for it, it's not just, okay, this is another combat, we have to deal with it. It's, okay, we know they're hunting us down. We know, like, the gnolls know we're here and they're planning this. How are we going to respond with this? What resources do we have available? What can we do to do this? Like, at one point, they want to take a short rest. So okay, cool, you can try a short rest, but that means you need an hour of being uninterrupted. So what they do, they found a room, they barricaded it, and they heard motion on the other side of the doors, but they didn't do anything. They're like, we're going to wait. If they barge in here, we act. But if they just make noise on the side and they don't take any action to, op- to like break down the barricades, we're not going to do anything. It allowed some creativity on their part, and also to realize not every fight is needed like the fighter at one point is like well, what if we just removed a little bit of rubble and just took some pot shots and they're like okay we could do that we'll lose the the bonus of the short rest we're going to lose regaining hit points and everything which we are a little on the low side and it could invite something in like if we remove these barricades you know they got hyenas 
excuse me, they got hyenas and stuff. They might jump through the hole and get in here, and we're trying to avoid that. This kind of creativity is now making the party feel more like a team. Like, I'm actually hearing them discuss not just, okay, are you alive? Are you okay? Like, they're not. That was the dialogue originally in combat when they were low level. It was just like, are we alive? There wasn't a lot of strategy they were thinking of. And then this time, they were actually strategizing a little bit more. It's like, okay, how, like, okay, these guys are coming down here. What can we do to handle this? All right, you're handling those two gnolls over there. You seem all right. How can I support someone else? And at one point, the rogue's like, trying to do hit and run tactics because there's a lot of gnolls running around. It's like, I want to stab this guy and then run away so I can, you know, still keep my sneak attack going. And at one point, he knifes the gnoll, kills it, and he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run back. The fire's like, wait, what if you hit around the corner? More gnolls are coming down the hallway. What if you just shank them as they came around the corner and do some heavy damage? And he's like, you know what? Okay, hold on. Let me try that. Turns out the motherfucker got a crit, takes the gnoll down to like half health in one attack. He's like, you know what? That's actually a smart idea. This creativity is starting to come forward, and they're actually starting to work more like a squad because the combat is allowing them to do that. I remember having a Pathfinder campaign when I was in college. I was a part of the campaign. I wasn't running it. We were Gestalt. We started 10th level Gestalt, and for those who don't know what Gestalt is, you essentially pick two classes, like a multi-class. However, you don't have any penalties. Usually multi-class has some sort of penalties, and you don't get the benefits of both classes altogether. In Gestalt, you do. It's I'm If I'm a 10th level, the one guy was a 10th level ninja and a monk. He had the full benefits of being a ninja, the full benefits of being a monk. Nothing could touch him. It was disgusting, but it was pretty awesome at the same time. Anyway, we were end up going against an army of demons. About 100, I don't know, just under 150, I want to say. About, yeah, about 150 demons. There were the, if I remember, like four or five of us, and then we had 20 riflemen with us. Essentially, it was like the odds are against us. Like, there is no way we should really make this work. Yet the DMs, like, okay, you have time. Like, you, they are approaching. You know, they're coming up the shore. They are approaching. What are you going to do to prepare? So we thought of a few things to try and prepare for this fight. And we're like, okay, let's set up some battlements. We dug some trenches, things like that. Just, like, little things to kind of slow down the demons' progress. And then that's when we all learned that they could fucking teleport. <laughs> so we had everything set up. And we had some pretty good defenses. And the demons just teleporting behind our trenches and everything and our pits and just getting in behind us. We're like, well, shit. Well, there goes that plan. Now what can we do? And as much as, yeah, it was a long battle. That's 150-something things we had to kill. Or at least we had to kill We killed a majority, and then they started to retreat because we were winning the fight. So, I mean, that was like 100-plus things we had to kill. Yeah, it's a lot. Okay, I'm not I'm not turning that down. There was, there was a lot of them, but it never felt dull. The combat felt real. It never felt like a grind because of all the elements we had going on. There was riflemen we were trying to hold, like, they were on top of a wall. We're trying to keep their position up there. Even though the demons could teleport up there, it's like, what can we do to keep them up there and keep them safe? We had this one guy who had the, a circle of death spell. He just snaps his fingers, makes a ring, and just, boom, things inside just drop dead. He's like, all right, I got three uses of this. When should I use it? Okay, there are 20 demons there. Drop it. Like, thinking about the best use of spells. And then the ninja monk guy who can't be touched, he's like, you know what, honestly, if I cannot be touched, the best thing I could do is keep their commander busy, who's this really giant-ass pig demon thing. So he went and did that. He handled the entire thing by himself, and it kind of felt, like it sucked at a little bit, because we're like, shit, we couldn't, like, we were all useless in the fight against this pig demon, because we knew it would butcher us, but the monk over there could just say, fuck off, and deal with him solo. 
as a party, it was kind of like, aw. But I didn't even feel that bad. As much as it was upsetting we couldn't fight him, we felt like Frenchie is just goddamn powerful. It felt good because we knew he had a job that he was really good at, and he was able to fulfill it. We each had our kind of our own jobs. We had this barbarian paladin who just said, fuck it, and charged into the fray, handling everything just fine because he's a barbarian paladin. He would rage if he got hurt. He'd cast spells like, you know, the GM kind of house rule that there was some way he was able to cast spells while raging because otherwise it would have just made an entire class pointless doing that multi-class. So he had fun just butchering a lot of demons and keeping them busy. Like, there was no grind. As much as we had to kill demon after demon, it was okay. If we can kill these ten demons over here, we no longer have to worry about them. Where can we focus our forces? What else can we do? You know, we had some ballistas there. It's like, all right, if we can get the demons off of the riflemen up top, if I can if I can go up there, me personally, if I was able to get up there and take care of those demons so the riflemen can get up back on the ballistas, okay, those major demons floating around that are a little chunky, they could hit and actually get some su- substantial damage on them and help weaken them so that I can then run in. Like, there was so much strategy that had to go on in that fight with 100-plus moving parts going on. It's just because of how the GM set up the environment. Every fight is not going to be able to reach that point. You're going to have some grind fights. You're going to have some cannon fodder fights. If every fight's that way, though, it's you're going to lose attention, not only from the players, but from yourself. I mean, I'm tired right now. I think part of it is because of this gauntlet dungeon I made and trying to make sure I manage all these moving parts because, like, it's a bunch of dice check. Like, will this guy show up or this guy show up? Does this happen? There's a lot of dice check. I'm not mad, though. I'm really enjoying it because it's keeping me as a GM fully engaged. And I told the players, I'm like, if you do anything, I need to know because there could be a reaction to it. So I'm really invested in what they're doing. I've had it before when the players are role-playing between each other and it's just like the two or three of them role-playing. I'll just kind of sit back. It's a nice little break as a GM that I don't have to intervene in this. It's the three players just role-playing it out. I get to just watch and enjoy the conversation. In the dungeon, it's not like that. You need to be invested as a GM. And because I made this dungeon where I have a couple moving parts going on with the environment and how the players interact with it, I'm fully invested. And on the player's end... They're killing all these gnolls, and like, yes, like they they said straight up, like, yeah, we need, we're gonna kill these guys. Like, they are determined to kill all these, especially the monk who's been through a lot. Said, I need to kill all these assholes. Like, I am not leaving this place until every single one of them is dead. So they have that investment of these gnolls are out and about murdering thousands. So they want to kill all these gnolls or as many as they can. So they're invested there, and then in terms of the dungeon, they are now really engaged in what's going on because I told them. I am checking everything you do. And they're like, okay, we have to think of every move we make. What is it that we can do to better our chances? Hey, take take what you will. Find a way to do that. Even if it's something simple, like have a room that has even like a balcony. All right, I'm thinking about this right now for one combat. You have a big room and there's a balcony kind of wrapping around the top end of it. Make some way either from the outside or inside the room or both, like through doors. You know, a staircase on the outside leads up to the balcony, or maybe there's some rubble that they can climb up. You know, allow the players to climb up to the balcony because there's two things you can do there. If they can climb up to the balcony, one, it gives range units a little more enjoyment out of it that they can actually get up to different areas. It also allows you to play around with the idea of cover. If the enemy also has range units, maybe there's pillars up on the balcony that range units can take cover behind. 
You could also think about this idea of wave combat. If they're fighting something nasty in this room, maybe there's reinforcements coming up on the balcony. So then, yes, you have to think about who can get up to the balcony quickly and easily and handle any possible reinforcements that come in while we handle the nastiness over here. Little things like that can get huge player investment because they have to then think, you know, when they walk into a room, they have to think, shit, things just hit the fan. What are we going to do? And then just going forward, if you do little things like that, it'll always ensure that players think about that in the future. Even if you don't intend on it happening, like you don't set up a room for something creative like that, players will still think about that. They'll always go into a room, especially if combat shows up, thinking, okay, what can we do? Like, what does the combat entail? And they start asking questions. Heck, these guys that, you know, my campaign that I'm running out with my friends, it's the first time for all of them playing D&D. And just recently, they started thinking outside the box, and I had the one guy, he pokes his head inside one room, sees all these gnolls feasting on a bunch of corpses, but he was sneaking, so they didn't notice him. So he's like, okay, nope, not going in there. Pops another door and sees a sea of corpses in here. When I tell him, oh, in this room, by the way, you do see chandeliers with candles, so it's actually lit up. He's like, okay, cool. I know what's going on. Close the door, backs up. He's like, wait, hold on. If there's lights in the main room, that means there's lights coming out from underneath the doorway. I'm like, yeah. He's like, but there's no lights in the other doorway, right? So there's no lights in there. I'm like, see, that's the things you got to start thinking about. You know, now the players start to think because they sprinkle little elements here and there, they start to think about what kind of checks can they make? What kind of obvious things can they do? Do I see light coming from underneath the door? If I do, that means there's probably something going on on the other side. Let's take it slowly. And they'll think about that in the future. Like, even if they're just hanging around the city and they're doing, let's say, some espionage or whatever, if they say, go check on this building and they see lights underneath the door, they'll be like, okay, someone's in there. You know, this mission just got a lot harder. Players get more and more invested just from the little things that kind of pick at their brain. On the flip side of that, in losing that engagement, if you just have a lot of cannon fodder fights, not just one or two here and there, you know, just from henchmen or low-level combat, if that's the name of the game, and it's not even gauntlet size, like, you have a dungeon, you walk into run room, oh my gosh, monsters, you walk into the next room, oh, it's a puzzle, you walk into the next room, oh, it's just, it's a room, and then the next room's more combat, like, combat's just kind of dotted here and there as cannon fodder fights, where there's really nothing going on besides just there's things to fight. It's cool at first because, like, especially for new players, like, okay, we get to figure out how combat works. But then soon it's like, okay, more things to fight. Let me just do this, you know. Especially in a large dungeon where the monster types, there's going to be, like, you you know, if you're going in a war camp, it's a goblinoid war camp. You're going to fight a bunch of hobgoblins and goblins. After the first one or two fights, like, okay, I know how these guys work. You know, I know how these goblins work. Now, as a player, I'm just saying, okay, the next fight, we go in, all right, we did the fight. You know, that's that's that. We're done. Move on. The players don't get as much investment going in. They're not as engaged because they feel like it's just, it's just another round of combat. There's nothing going on. It's just, I know how these guys fight. I know what I have to do. Oh, it's an, it's an open room. Okay, that's that. Add something in. Add a little trap in. Like add some environment in. Even some story stuff. Like, you know, there's an altar there. Right away, if you just sprinkle in a little thing like that, and your players do get creative, by having it, you walk into a room, okay, yeah, there's monsters in here. Oh, but wait, there's also an altar in the center. Okay, wait, if this is an altar, there may be something special is going on. Maybe they're trying to summon something. You know, then the players start to think, we have to worry about what's going on 
in the combat, maybe there is nothing special about the altar. It's just it's an altar. They weren't doing anything that day. Like the monsters are just hanging out. The players don't need to know that until after the fact. So they think about maybe we need to kill these monsters fast enough. Maybe we have to go guard the altar, make sure they don't get to the altar. You know, fun little things. Let the players fill in the holes. As a GM, if you want engagement, you don't need to do all of it. You just got to allow the players a chance to think of something to fill in those blanks. This gauntlet dungeon I got going on, this, this fort they're attacking full of gnolls. I got notes of which gnolls exist in which rooms and where like some special encounters are in. From there, I'm like, hey, if they think of a way to do this thing, you know, stealthing down the hallway like they're doing and checking if there's light underneath the doors, okay, cool. I'll do that because then as a GM, I get to, I then get to think about, oh, if there's a light under there, maybe I'll add something else. And they're like, I get to build off of them. And then it's it goes back to that idea of it's a game. Like D&D is a game. It's a very unique kind of game. All these RPGs, Pathfinder, the Star Wars tabletop, they're all unique games. In the end, they're games that involve a dialogue and enjoyment with friends. So if I'm able to play as a GM and actually interact with my players, I'm enjoying it. And then they're enjoying because they're interacting with me. There's no wall there. Like, yeah, there's a DM screen. There's a whole I know things you don't know. But you don't want to just let that be a barrier between everyone. And combat can often do that. Combat can often lead to this barrier of I'm playing the monsters that want to kill you. And you're trying to kill the monsters. And it was a little trick I heard online. And I'm sticking to it. I think it's a really smart trick. It's never, as a GM, it's never you rolling die. It's never you attacking the players. It's always the monsters trying to hit you. The monster hit you. The monster does this much damage. The monster misses. You know, the the warlock, whoever they're fighting. Keep that disconnect from the monsters to stay connected with the other players. Like, yeah, we're here playing together. I just happen to be the bad guy in this situation. Then you're avoiding this headbutting between you and the players. The players are like, yeah, it's just... Just my friend who's running this game. We're just having fun with my friend or whatnot. I like that kind of style because then I'm able to communicate with them better. And it keeps my mindset and the idea of I'm trying to create something that they want to enjoy. I'm not trying to create something to murder them. I'm not, I'm not actively trying to kill them. I just have a scenario being played out for them. And then combat's a lot, a lot more enjoyable because on my end, I'm thinking of like, okay, what would the monsters do that is creative? Like, they're engaged in something as monsters, but it's also like I want to make them be silly at sometimes. You know, at the rogue when he was attacking the gnolls up top of the ballistas, he had a greater invisibility invisibility spell cast on him. So for an entire minute in combat, no matter what he did, he remained invisible. And right there, because I had I was playing these gnolls who had no idea, like, I knew where he was, and I'm controlling the gnolls, but the gnolls are not supposed to know where he is, it was actually really fun. One of the gnolls just dropped dead, so, like, all the gnolls perked up, like, what the hell just happened? You know, I was, like, kind of telling them, like, you see, like, that's what the look they're giving. It's like, someone just died, what the fuck's going on? And they started just, like, sniffing around the area, and at one point, the one gnoll randomly swings, actually ends up hitting him. So it calls to another knoll. That knoll runs over. It's like, okay, stabs but doesn't hit anything. So he thinks he's like, look, I told him. I told my player. I'm like, so this knoll looks at the other one, slaps him and thinks he's an idiot. 
I mean, it, it removed a little bit of, like, the tension of what was going on. But I feel like that is what would really happen. Like, gnolls are not that smart. You know, these are just very basic gnolls. They're not brilliant. So it would think, like, hey, you're being an idiot, and just slap the other one and think nothing of it. My player was still a little concerned. He's like, okay, I don't want to do anything. Like, I'm still invisible. They kind of know where I am, but not entirely. So I'm still going to play it safe. But he was able to kind of like breathe easy a little bit because it was some humor in it. I was just, I'm just saying, I'm like, I'm acting out like, hey, there's this little thing that's going on. I'm not the monster who wants you dead. I'm just telling you these monsters are idiots. I'm like, I'm not them. I disconnect myself. I put myself in his shoes as the player, essentially, and saying, yeah, I'm seeing this thing going on. I'm telling you what's happening. Right there, you get a cycle. You're getting a cycle that the player is getting engaged and interested in what's going on. The GM then gets interested in what they're doing and then responds accordingly to what they're doing. And this is very important for the dungeon I'm running. And if you ever run a dungeon like this where you as a GM have to play an NPC that was hired on or story relevant or whatever it is, whatever the reason is that you have this NPC coming in, is to not not let the NPC drive it. If you play the NPC like you play the monsters where – I'm not actually this character. They're just here to help you out, and I'm responding to what you're doing. It adds to it. You know, I know what's coming up in the dungeon. So indirectly, by through me, the NPCs also know what they're about to fight because I created all this. I'm trying to find a middle point, and because I disconnect myself and I bounce off of what the others do, it allows a little more enjoyment and it makes my life easier. So we have the monk who does okay damage. The rogue with sneak attack does a shit ton of damage, and then we have a fighter who uses a big-ass sword can do a shit ton of damage. And I was noticing during the fight, like, watch them play through the fight, they were fighting this pack of gnolls, and they could they would almost kill the gnolls in one shot. Like, they did some substantial damage, and if two of them piled onto one gnoll, they could almost outright kill it before it acted. So I had the cleric, I'm like, you know what? Seeing what's going on, I'm like, you know what? The cleric's gonna cast Crusader's Mantle. Now, for the next... What is it, a minute? For the next minute... Within a 30-foot radius of her, all friendly players and creatures and whatnot do an additional 1d4 radiant damage. Now, all of a sudden, okay, the fighter would attack twice and actually be able to kill the snow or severely wound it, and the next guy could finish it up. They felt better, like, okay, this is actually awesome. The cleric's able to support us, and we're doing more damage now. They get really excited by the fact that we can actually take these guys down pretty fast, and then we can breathe a little easier because we're not worried about will they survive if I, because now if I hit, most likely I'll kill them. Me as a GM, I, I'm just saying like, oh, Melissa, who is a cleric, Melissa is like, okay, she's gonna say a prayer. She's noticing that you guys are doing some good damage. She wants to help you out, so she's gonna support through more damage and hang back, buffing everyone to keep concentration going. They loved it. They're buying into it and they really enjoy what's going on. Even though this combat was simply just, I'm punching a knoll and the knoll's punching back oh, wait, there's actually more to it because the NPCs are alive in the combat. There's the paladin who casts Shield of Faith. Before, the monk kept getting the shit beaten out of him. So after the first round of combat and the monk got hit a couple of times, like, shit, I'm not doing too good. Paladin comes in, Shield of Faith, you have plus two armor class, which end up saving his ass. He got really excited and he was like, oh, I love Kane. I love the paladin. He's not saying, you know, to me as a GM, thank you. It's no, thank the character. And you want to keep that. That's how you keep combat going, and then the world in general, you keep it going. When the players feel like the 
other NPCs in the world are actually kind of alive and you're not controlling them. You're more responding to the players. It goes back to what we talked about the other week about players feeling that they have a stake in the story. The players feel like they have a stake in combat because those with them who are supporting them react accordingly. Oh, we see the monk was getting hurt. I'm going to drop a spell to buff his AC. Oh, I see the rogue is hiding in the corner waiting to get a good sneak attack. Let me take a step forward because I have a high armor class and pull their attention. Now the rogue can get in there. Oh, I see combat's gone on for a little bit. People are getting a little weakened. Let me drop a party heal and then buff them to do additional damage. I'm not directing the combat at all. I am just acting like another player reacting to them. Now, if they wanted to talk to me, like they do that during roleplay sessions, they'll be like, oh, let me ask Kane, let me ask Vidania, let me ask Melissa, let me ask this person, that person, let me ask them what they think. And then, of course, I'm interacting with them. But in combat, they seem to never, they interact more with each other. The three players are act, interacting more with each other, which I think is really good. As a GM, that's my goal. I want the players to interact with one another in combat because in the end, they all have a stake in the combat. I mean, it's come a kind of a little joke. The monk always gets knocked out because he does. I don't know what it is. doesn't matter what I do in the dungeon. Something happens that he gets knocked out. So they're just like, okay, we're going to wait. Shit eventually is going to get knocked out. But until then, let's see what we can do. Like They're buying in that, yeah, the joke is Shin's going to get knocked out. But you know what? Let's try and prevent that from happening. So the three of them work together using the skills they know, and then let me just fill in the holes. I told them, like, I made these players, these NPCs, to fill in the holes that you guys have. They're, from what I can tell now, they're enjoying it. They tell me they're enjoying it. And try and do that for your players. If you're running a game, or heck, if you're part of a game, you can talk to your GM about this, like, what you're thinking, what you're hearing. Is there a way you can make combat with an NPC a little more engaging, or with the environment a little more engaging, by adding something that allows the GM to react to what the players do, and not just a standard, oh, the monster moves over here and punches you. It's, oh, wait, the monster retreats, or, oh, wait, it sees you're doing really well over here, so it's going to counteract that. It notices you're taking cover up there. Okay, is there something going on? Like, maybe it could destroy the cover. It could fall back to a position that it has good cover and wait for you to come out. What is it that we can do to make it a little more lively? As a GM, all you have to do is react to the players. You set things up, obviously, but in the long run, it's reacting to what the players do. And if combat is more reactive on your end, it allows the players to be proactive, and then they feel like they can do something. They're not just waiting for shit to happen. They're like, okay, I hear a noise down there. How can we avoid it? Or, okay, if we get engaged in this combat... What can I do? What can we do to succeed? What can we do to have the least amount of damage dealt to us? And also, like, in this grind dungeon, this gauntlet dungeon they're going through, it's if we go in there and fight them, how quickly can we kill them and how much noise is it going to make? Are we going to attract something else? Right there, the idea that there's uh, that the dungeon's alive and that it's not just going room by room and clearing it, it's... Yes, fighting this can attract the attention of other things, immediately turns a standard cannon fodder fight into something very risky. Because the players have to take into account the longer we fight them and the more noise we make, the higher chance other things come barging down that door. You don't always need that threat there, but just having that threat there, making them think that, like, okay, they saw a patrol earlier in the dungeon, so they know creatures are patrolling, 
just keeps that in there. You don't have to follow up on it. It's not like a threat that you have to carry out. It's just something to let the players think about. And then as a GM, if you decide that Dungeon has that, it's just something else you can play with and something else you get to kind of watch, monitor, interact through. I'm going to call it for now. Gone over a little over 30 minutes. I'm feeling good now. For some reason, I'm really tired. I need a nap or something. I don't know what's going on with me today. I actually, I might make dinner right now. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to time it. It's 5.48 right now. I'm going to start making some dinner. So everyone, enjoy your Sunday night. Enjoy the coming week. We are approaching the last month of 2018, and 2019 is going to be, I think, a pretty fun year. I've been monitoring a couple of different games. There's a lot on the menu for 2019's coming months with new releases. And then for those of you interested in it, Smash Bros. Ultimate coming out. It's already out. I'm an idiot. I, I don't have a Switch. I don't monitor Nintendo anymore. But, I mean, yeah, you get to wrap up 2018 with some pretty good stuff. And then 2019 has some pretty cool stuff coming out. Uh, and then, yeah, Pathfinder. I'm going to keep an eye on that. Also, talking about roleplay stuff. Pathfinder 2nd Edition's in the works. The beta's out right now. So, yeah, have fun. Enjoy yourself. Have a good week. See you all next time.